Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Powerfully. Let's pray. Let's go on. Our time is fast spent. Father, we thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up on the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So the whole of this month we are going to be doing um, a theological series. And so you need to follow very importantly. You need to pay attention and because theology is designed to birth understanding. Glory to God. And uh, we must be able to understand or know exactly why we believe what we believe and know uh, why we are serving God the way we're serving God. And so this month, uh, every Sunday in this month, we're going to deal with uh, a topic I call for this course. For this course. Why did Jesus come? And why are we born again? Why did Jesus come? Why are we born again? So we are going to start studying the, the, the basis of humanity and the basis of salvation. And I, I really want you to follow very carefully. Make sure you're taking good notes. Glory to God. But for, for a way of introduction, let's go to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read a lot of scriptures so you need to please follow very, very carefully and patiently. Luke chapter 24 and verse 14. And I'd like to say this to you very clearly. When, you know, sometimes people talk about theology. They will say, oh, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, theology is from the word theos. Theos is from, speaks of God. Theology is just the study of God. And I'd also like to say that if churches will do their job well, if, uh, if as pastors we do our job well, uh, there might be very little or no need for Bible schools. You know, some people say, I want to learn more of God, and so they go to Bible schools. Actually, the church is designed to become a Bible school. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, are you still here? So if you're thought properly and you're diligent, uh, if we reduce a bit of the entertainment and go more for education, you realize that every child of God will, will be grounded in the Word of God. When we look at the people from the other faith, for instance, the Islamic faith and all that, and you see how, how well they are drilled in the convictions of their faith, most of them don't go to the Islamic or the Quran schools, except you want to, to you know, study further. And my heart is that God will cause us to raise a people that are strong in the word. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Luke chapter 24 and verse 14, very importantly, look at this now. Luke 24 verse 14. Uh, no, verse 44. Luke 24 verse 44. Look at this. Luke 24 44. Now he said to them, Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses. What's the law of Moses now? The first five books, the law of Moses. The prophets. What are the prophets? 
Nahum, Habakkuk, Isaiah, praise God, and the Psalms. You need to follow me now. It says, all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So, right here, we find out that Jesus clearly categorizes the Bible into three dimensions. He talks about the law of Moses, which speaks of the Lord. First five books of Moses, where he gave the Lord. And then, he talks about the prophets. Now, sometimes, we divide the prophets and we say, well, there are minor prophets and there are major prophets. But that's not true. They were all prophets of God. Some of them had large books. Some of them had small books. Are you following what I'm saying? There's no, God didn't call anyone major or minor. They were prophets of God with different assignments. Some had assignment to the nations, some assignment to Israel, some had assignment to very uh, specific place. But then he says, and the Psalms, uh, the Psalms, so he's talking about the book of Psalms. Now he says that everything written about me there must be fulfilled. Now, I want you to understand something, that from the law of Moses, the five books of Moses, down to the prophets, down to the Psalms, everything was about Jesus Christ. So what that tells us is the whole of scriptures is about Jesus. Okay? There are not many places to say amen, so you just follow me. Alright? The whole of the Moses, the book of Moses, the prophets, and the law is about Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, why is the whole Bible about Jesus Christ? Because the whole Bible is about the cause for which Jesus came. Are you following this now? The whole Bible is about what? The cause for which Jesus came. So there was a reason that Jesus came. And so Jesus says, everything that was written about me in these three segments of the scripture must be fulfilled. Now let's go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is just introducing the subject. We will get into... It strongly. First Peter chapter one. Uh, come with me to verse nine. First Peter chapter one and verse nine. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith in the salvation of your souls. Look at this verse ten. As to this salvation, specific. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, made careful searches and inquiries. So, uh, Peter said that some prophets prophesied about the grace that was to come to you. For instance, a prophet like Isaiah was a governmental prophet. He prophesied a lot about the kingdom of God. So, Isaiah said to us, a son shall be born, uh, and um, a child shall be born, and a son will be given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. What was Isaiah prophesying? Isaiah was not talking about the millennium. He was talking about the advent of Jesus as the savior of our souls. So Peter says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace. What does it mean when he says the prophet prophesied of the grace? We see that in John chapter 1. The Bible says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So when we say that the prophets prophesied of the grace, we're talking about the prophets prophesying about the person of Jesus. Because it was the person of Jesus that became the revelation of grace. Follow me? Alright? It says, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that will come to you made careful session and inquiries. Verse 11. Seeking to know what person or time 
what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them as indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. What are the sufferings of Christ? What he went through. Praise God. Now go to verse, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which the angels long to look into. Since the angels, they, they, they desire to see the things we're talking about today. And that's why it's very abnormal for believers to begin to exhort angels unnecessarily or teach about the worship of angels. You've got to be careful about that. In the name of becoming more spiritual, you see some places where, in fact, it's very insulting for a child of God to pray to angels. You shouldn't do that. It's not scriptural. You're not, you're not to pray to angels. You're not to pray through an angel. Because as we start this study, you realize that you, you were made way higher than angels. Because there's, there's, there's a branch of Christianity now that's just going into angels and angel worship and all of that. And that's absolutely wrong because the angels, the scripture tells us very clearly, desire to see the things that I'm teaching you today. So angels are no more powerful than you. In fact, the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that they were sent to minister or to serve those who are going to become heirs of salvation. Again, that word salvation. Glory to God. Now, go to Matthew chapter 13. We are still laying the foundation. Matthew chapter 13 and go to verse 16. Matthew 13 and verse 16. Child of God shouldn't worship angels. Shouldn't pray to angels. Or son of God. Matthew 13 verse 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see. And your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, the question I keep asking is, what is this, what is so special about this that many prophets desire to see it? What's so special about it that many righteous men long for it? Glory to God. It means that there's something so special about our salvation that we need to investigate and we need to study. And we also need to see it from that sense of value. We need to begin to value our salvation again. And understand that that's the reason Jesus came and that's the reason we got born again. So we can spread this message all over the world. Glory to God. Now let's start Genesis chapter 1. Let's start now. Genesis chapter 1. We've laid the foundation. Let's start building the house. Genesis 1.26 Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. And let them have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. Then God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Now, if you study, I don't want to go too deep into that because it's not concerning what we're studying. But if you study the book of Genesis very carefully, you'll discover that there are two accounts of creation. 
Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, the scripture says that God created man in his image and likeness. And, and sometimes, uh, people who are struggling to understand the Bible or find fault with the Bible would, would say, well, they look like two accounts of creation and then postulate all kinds of theories. But if you study very carefully, you will discover that it was an overlapping story. Uh, the word used in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 was that God created man. And in Genesis chapter 2, the word, the word used is that God formed man from the dust of the earth. And so if we want to look at that, we'd look at the spiritual dimension of creation and then the physical dimension of creation, which is the formation of man where man got his physical body. Okay? Alright. But I'll, I'll take time to explain that if we're doing our studies on Genesis. Now go to Genesis chapter 2. Verse two, verse seven. Now, now, let me let me pay attention. Uh, pay attention to something there. When God created man, God said this man will be created in what? His what? Image. I didn't hear that word. His word. Image and what? Come on, I didn't hear that. Image and what? Likeness. So you've got to understand that. Now, I want to make a statement. I'm going to make the statement and keep it by the side. And then all through these come through it. You would realize, <laughs> how do I put it? Let me put it in a mild way so that I don't shock you. But realize that heaven was never the intention of God in the creation of man. That's important to your eschatology. Because one of the challenges we have is that we made salvation, listen carefully, a ticket to just go to heaven. So what people just wanted is to escape hell. So as, and they know about the eternal salvation they can get in Christ. So what people are doing almostly is accepting Christ enough to escape hell, but they don't care about the life. Because to them, salvation is a, is a rescue plan. Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? You realize that in the engagement of God, in fact, you didn't start hearing the conversation about heaven until later on. In fact, if you study church history and you read about church history, you will understand that most of the fathers, they taught salvation apart from just going to heaven. In fact, most people know about the rapture than salvation. And the rapture did not come into the church history until 1839 by a young lady called Margaret MacDonald. She had a dream that the saints were caught up. And then she shared it in church. And that was where the rapture theory started from. Up until then, nobody taught the rapture. Because up until then... The, the scriptural dimension was the fact that the wicked will be removed from the earth and that the righteous will inherit the earth. Go read the book of the church fathers and go read what they thought. And why am I saying all of this? Because if we take the peripheral of salvation and what salvation brings, then we do not understand so great a salvation. That the 
original intention of God, the ultimate intention of God, was creating a man that will represent him, listen to me, 100%. Not just a man who is seeking to go to heaven. Not just a man who is seeking to run from the Antichrist. God's intention for creating man is a man that will be on the earth, that will be able to look at other men and say, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. Do you think if that becomes our primary goal, the quality of our life will change? Look at this here. Look at this here. Verse, 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 chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground, that's the lowering of man, and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living being. So at that point, we understand the formation of man. Understand this? Talk about the creation of man and what? The formation of man. So man was formed and then he was, the dust of the earth became the body of man. Which became his fleshy nature. So when you also read in scriptural interpretation and see that the serpent will feed on the dust. What the scripture is actually saying is not that snake will eat sand. Is that the devil will feed on your fleshy nature, your carnal works. That's what the enemy feeds on. Immorality, impurity, sin, covetousness, anger. That is the food of Satan. So he said you will feed on dust. It's not that snake will be eating his sand. No. We feed on your lower nature. That's where the enemy thrives. That's why when you overcome those things, the devil has no power over you. Because the food of the devil is dust, is flesh. The works of the flesh. Are you following this now? So, man was created in the image of God. And in the likeness of God, God created them. And then God gives instruction that the tree... Now, let's look at this now. Uh, well, just put this up, but write it down. Revelation 4.11 says this. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I want you to put that up and look at that last statement. That all things, I like the way the New American Bible puts it. It says, and because of your will, they existed and were created. It means, listen carefully to this, that God does not exist for man, man exists for God. You, you need to understand that. Come on, are you here? Are you here? Because we, we, we are almost reversing Christianity in such a way that God exists for us. Come on. How many of us prayed this month? And we prayed and asked God, God, what do you want done this month? What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want born again? Who do you want filled with the Holy Ghost? Come on, how many of us prayed that? But how many of us prayed, oh God, this month is my month of total recovery? Come on now. Come on, how many of us prayed, this is my month of total restoration? Come on. Do you think that the month exists for your pleasure or for God's pleasure? Now, we need to ask ourselves honest questions now. Do you think the version of Christianity we have, we exist for his pleasure or he exists for our pleasure? Let's be honest. What's the version that we have? 
that God exists for pleasure. Do you see why soul winning will become a department in church instead of a lifestyle? Two things we have made departments in churches that are absolutely wrong is prayer and soul winning. Everybody, by, we're going to deal with this. Because why were you born again? It's not to go to heaven. Permit me to use this word. It's a harsh word, but it's true. Going to heaven, you are almost useless to the plan of God. Because everybody there, he quotes, is already born again. So what's your use? On the last day, on the last... Between now and the last day, what is your purpose? Apart from getting a job, getting a good wife, having children, doing selfie, why are you here? Uh, do you understand this now? Because we need to understand why did God create us? And I'm going to deal with something here. Because when we talk of humanity, what we see is the wickedness and the killing and all the bad things in the life. But that's not humanity in God's eyes. Humanity in God's eyes is the way Jesus lived on the earth. Jesus was the first person who showed us what it means to be truly human in the image and likeness of God. That's why he's called our elder brother. Come on, how many of you have elder brothers here? Let me see. You have an elder brother. Do you know that if you have an elder brother, your elder brother shows you who you are. That's why your parents will say, look at your elder brother. That means that Jesus came to show us. For the 33 and a half years Jesus lived on earth, Jesus came to show you, Harry, how you should live. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He didn't come to... How can I put this without getting into blasphemy now? Help me, Holy Spirit. He didn't come to show us how miraculous God was. Do you understand? He didn't come to, oh Jesus, man, look at what Jesus did. No, he came to show us that, listen, the first Adam missed it. I am the last Adam. This is how Adam was designed to live. Jesus is our example so we can solve the homework. Do you know your standard of judgment? Jesus Christ. That's your standard. That's your standard. God is not going to measure you by anything. He's going to measure you with Jesus. Why? Because that which makes him, the son of God on the earth, has been given to you. And these are very strong things I'm teaching here. And and I know what I'm teaching. So Christianity is not an escape plan. Neither is Christianity a blessing plan. Christianity is a plan of absolute representation. Are you, are you following this now? Look at this. I'll show you this now. Go to... Let's, 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 let's go to Psalms now. Where's my time? Let's go to Psalms. Psalms chapter. I'm sure for me to finish Psalms chapter 8. Because I've not even started. And the time is already gone. Psalms chapter 8. Go to Psalms chapter 8. I want to show you something there. We'll take our time on this thing. Because this is, this is absolutely important. Psalms chapter 8 verse 1. 
We're going to read from verse 1 to the last verse, verse 9. Please follow me. O Lord, our, o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. Let me, let me pause here. So, the Holy Spirit is bringing something to my mind. Let me say it quickly so that I can quench certain doubts. Do you realize that when God created Adam in the garden, and Adam was in the garden, we're going to read that now, you know God was coming in the cool of the evening to fellowship with him. Because I said something and I just sent some doubts rising in people's head. If God was coming in the cool of the evening to fellowship with you every day, why would you go to heaven? What's the difference? Because absolutely, intentionally, in God's original plan, there was no difference between heaven and earth. Because God was coming in the evening. What are you going to do? For fellowship, for interaction. But you realize that when man sinned, that interaction stopped. And we're going to talk about that. Because that's the biggest thing about salvation. Let me say this here quickly in case I miss it. The biggest thing about salvation is not the blessing. Because even after Adam sinned and was driven out of the garden, he still built cities. Cain still built cities. He still had money. He still had wife. He still lived long. So those were not the essence. That's not what man missed. What man missed was that fellowship and interaction that he was having. That is why you cannot just say, you know, I want to marry this person. He's a good person. No, no. Every child that was born in this world apart from Jesus was born in sin is a sinner and he needs Jesus and you see because we are almost developing a version of Christianity where we can all our best friends can be absolute sinners and we don't know, we don't see the reason why they need the gospel because say even some church people is they are they are more bad than this my friends he's a good person he's a good man no the goodness of man in his innocence is wickedness in the sight of god every man needs a savior David says, in sin did my mother conceive me. So salvation is not morality. Salvation is that man without a savior had broken the laws of God and needs to believe that Jesus paid that price. Until a man believes that, he's not saved. We need to clarify salvation. And I can say this very boldly here. There are many of you listening to me seated there this morning that are not born again. You are not saved. Because you are just good and problem drove you to church. Then you learnt the church language. When I say praise the Lord, say hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Offering time, blessing time. It is well. So in your mind, you are, you are not. Salvation is a conscious process of accepting the sacrifice of Jesus and his lordship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, why don't you make altar calls? I, and I stand by this firm belief. I stand by it. That listen, when a man truly hears the gospel, they can, go, they can get born again anywhere. Many people got born again even when the preacher was not there. When the depravity of their human soul hits them, they will run to the Father. All you need to do as a preacher, keep sowing the seed. I mean, there's nothing wrong with giving people opportunity. 
But I've seen people also, you know, you've heard people preach. Let me say this. God help me. You've heard people preach. Jesus came. He's going to bless you. He will turn your situation around. He will turn your life around. Then at the end, at the end, you see, but everything I preach to you now, you cannot benefit from it until you accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will not accept him? Do you realize, listen carefully, listen, I know this might be a bit touchy, but I'm ready to go all this length. Do you realize that what you have just said is not the gospel? Do do you realize that? That the man has not heard the gospel yet. No, no, he hasn't heard the gospel. God will protect you. God will keep you. God will make you not to be barren. But you cannot enjoy these things until you accept Jesus. That is not the gospel. My grandfather was a solid herbalist. You couldn't shoot him with a gun. Don't enter. That's protection. But he's not born again. My grandfather was a solid fisherman. He built his house from fishing. He was not poor. He was rich. According to the standard of his own wealth. But he was not born again. He wasn't barren. He had my dad. But he was not born again. He was a good man. My grandfather was, I mean, he got born again before he died. But my grandfather was a good man. He was such a good man that he would bring shinap, ogogoro, eh? aromatic shinap, the gallon, and put in front of our compound in the village. And as people were going to the farm, they would take a glass each, frill, daily. He was not born again. He knew My grandfather, if you came to him for certain medicine and he didn't know what to do, he would walk into the bush and he would hear the trees speaking to him. He would know what grass to pluck and what to do. If your legs were broken and he needed to treat you, he wouldn't touch you. He would take a chicken, break the chicken's leg and be treating the chicken. The day that chicken steps on the ground and works, your leg will get better. Supernatural, miraculous power. He was not born again. Are you telling me? So listen, because I'm preaching the gospel, I'm not preaching because my father is a pastor. I've seen miracles in this realm and in this realm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. There were foods my grandfather never ate till he died. It doesn't matter who you are, you can't make him eat those food. Never. But when the reality of salvation dawned on me, we will go up to the house, eat those same food. You know, Paul talked about food sacrificed to idols. That is, your faith does not carry you. You do eat. Our faith carried us. We ate yams. So when we talk of salvation, I'm not talking about a faith that was handed down because my father is a pastor. We've proven these things. So what I'm saying in essence is we must understand salvation for what it is. Live the blessing. Live the increase. Live the promotion. That is not salvation. 
So, for a man, listen carefully to me. For a man to be born again, he needs to hear the message of the cross. Any salvation without the message of the cross, you didn't hear the right message. I won't say your salvation is not genuine, but I'll just say that you did not hear the right message. And anything can propel you. Anybody in trouble can be prepared to accept any solution. But if you hear the right message, it doesn't matter what goes on around you, you will be assured of your salvation. Come on, are you still here? Go to summit. We're in summit now. <laughs> when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. So, the, David here was talking about when he looked at everything God created. Look at verse 4. Look at the question in verse 4. What is man? That you care for him. Yeah, you know, let's be honest. Some of you have traveled, traveled abroad. Some of you have gone to space stations. Some of you have some... When you see some things, don't you imagine what is your human being? You look at the stars. Scientists will tell you about the planets. Will tell you... And, and the, the psalmist was saying, I look at the works of your hands. I look at the whole of creation. And I'm asking myself, what is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Verse 5. Now, look at verse 5 carefully. Now, the, the Hebrew word there is Elohim. But the King James Version, they were not confident enough to translate it as Elohim. So they translated it this way. The King James and the New King James translated it this way. You have made him a little lower than angels. And that's absolutely wrong. The word angels there in the Hebrew is Elohim. This is the accurate translation. It says, you have made him a little lower than God. Because, why I say angels will not work, is that, listen, man was created, Genesis 1.26, according to what? The image and what? Likeness of God. So it cannot be like angels. It cannot be lower than angels. Because the image and likeness of God cannot be now a little lower than angels. Are you following what I'm saying? And it's not consistent with biblical interpretation because in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says angels are sent to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Now, if I'm sent to minister for you, you cannot be lower than me. Because if you are lower than me, then you should minister to me. So man is not lower than angels. Man is actually a little lower than God. And you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You realize that there was no angel that, that was made to rule over God's works. Only man. And I'm going to teach now because we've got this thing that Lucifer was an angel in heaven, a choir master, and he conducted a coup against God. Just throw that thing away. Throw it away. Scripture says he was a liar from the beginning. We'll talk about that. Sometimes you also understand how scripture talks. You realize what scripture said about companion? He said, oh companion, light was on you, but you did not receive that light. You were thrown down from heaven. But companion never went up. You have to read the Bible sometimes in the context of the figurative language. 
Somebody say, well, but this has been taught over the years. Yes, because a lot of preachers teach reputation. Let me give you a simple example. Very simple example. How many of you have heard people say, you can, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you? You've heard that scripture taught that, right? Is that scripture talking about ability? No. Go and read it. Paul says, I know how to abase. I know how to abandon. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. What does Paul say? Paul is saying, I know how to be in poverty and I know how to be in wealth. It means I can bear. It's not a scripture of ability. Is it true? Another scripture. Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. What was he speaking to? Was he pastors? Not pastors. Not prophets. He was speaking to the whole of the children of Israel. Touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. He says he rebuked kings for their sake. He was talking about the whole company of Israel that left Egypt. That scripture applies to every child of God. Because every child of God, according to Moses, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. Some of you are hearing that for the first time. But this one is the truth. Go and listen. Go and read it now. Go and read it. You have your Bible. You, you just read your Bible. Can I show you many more scriptures? There are still many more scriptures like that. So, that something is passed down from generation to generation does not validate it. We have to restudy the scriptures. But let's go on here now. It says, you made him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Okay. Now, all sheep and all sin and all the beasts of the field, the beasts of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the parts of the sea, O Lord, how majestic is your name. Let me give you another scripture. You know, the scripture talks about that Paul wrestled with the beast of Ephesus. Right? What, what does beast mean? Natural language. What does beast mean? Animals. Did Paul ever fight with any animal in Ephesus? What was Paul wrestling with? The people who opposed this message. Because in the book of James, he refers to those prophets without the spirit as beasts. So when you read beast in Ephesians, you must go and study the beast. In, in James to understand what and that will now give you an idea of the beast of revelation that the beast of revelation is this Babylonian demonic system that is operating and controlling the saints majorly the beast we are contending with in our day is entertainment that makes sexual immorality a good thing that's the beast we are confronting so when you say you wrestle not against principalities and powers I'm talking about all of it. I've taught you about that Right? Or you read a scripture like Paul saying, uh, um, what's that? That he had a thorn in the flesh. And somebody said, that's sickness. No, that's not true. Because if you go to the, the book of Numbers, the scripture clearly says that these people you did not drive out will become thorns in your flesh. So the thorn in the flesh of Paul was the people that were fighting his message. Because if you just say the thorn is sickness, you can accept sickness in your life, thinking it's your thorn. That's why God, godly people died with sickness that God was trying to teach them a lesson. The primary way God teaches you a lesson is through the Holy Spirit and your pastor. If you are listening to your pastor and if your pastor knows what he's teaching. Because for God to put sickness in you to teach you a lesson and at the same time you are going to a doctor to get healed, it means you are a disobedient student. You die with the sickness so you can learn the lesson properly. You cannot be learning from God with sickness and be going to a doctor to cure you. That means you and the doctor, you are against God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
your, your faith does not go through trials. Your faith grows through feeding God's word. These are things we need to review. Come on, are you still here? Alright. Now, the word image is the Hebrew word shalei. It means shadow or representation or likeness. God's image in human beings reveal God's perspective of humanity's worth and dignity as a representation or a shadow of himself in the created world. So, we are God's shadow on the earth. <laughs> Glory to God. That's why you realize about Peter. The scripture says when the shadow of Peter fell, people were getting healed. It wasn't just about his literal shadow. Peter was an outray of the glory of God. Hallelujah. You see, when we begin to study things like this, your heart will begin to yearn for something more. You will begin to realize that your humanity is more than this. That is something stronger. That is something greater. Let me tell you this. We're not supposed to make miracle workers as spectators in church. Every one of you listening to me should by default be a miracle worker. By default. You should be healing the sick as your normal part of a Christian life. All I'm meant to do is what Jesus did with his disciples. Show you the mysteries of the kingdom. And allow you manifest and, 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 and just do what God is asking you to do. It's not a religion of superstars. We are saints of God. We are part of the army. We are brothers and sisters in the same kingdom doing the same job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because Adam had no pastor in the garden. I said Adam had no pastor in the garden. Joseph was not a member of a cell group. But those people lived with absolute integrity that God could trust them with nations. Today we have cell groups, cell units, Zoom prayer, webinar, seminars, seminar, choir administration, all that. Knowledge everywhere. Headache. Kill someone. Because you realize something. There is something deeper we need to pursue. If we allow this ephemeral world to take a hold on our soul, <laughs> you realize that we will strive for things that are less. Glory to God. Come on, are you still here? Alright. So, if, if you study history, the ancient Assyria king, kings, they will put their image in certain districts to show that they were in charge of that district. Now, let me give you a New Testament example. Do you realize when people came to Philip and asked him that we would see Jesus, what was Jesus' reply? Come on, come on, church. Are you still here? What did Jesus reply to Philip? He says, how long am I with you? He says, how long will I be with you? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Philip says, show us the Father. Like, so you don't understand it? You've been eating with the Father, drinking with the Father. This is the Father. You know, when I was growing up, a lot of people used to say, I look like my dad. I look like my dad. But I wasn't convinced. But right now, sometimes, you know, I, I put up a picture. You realize that the older I get, the more actually I look like my dad. Some of you haven't seen my dad. If you see my dad, you would realize that we're almost the same. That's exactly what you're doing as a Christian. In you right now is the absolute perfect image of DNA of the God in you. 
What you're doing when you come to church every time is learning God's word and growing. The more you are a Christian, the more you should become like Jesus 100%. Always put 100% there. 100% in miracles. Come on. Did Jesus say greater work shall you do? Oh, I didn't hear that. Come on, short talk to me. Did Jesus say greater work shall you do? Which work have you done? You are still running away from witches. That's greater race shall you run. And people are still teaching your generational curses. Do you see why all of this nonsense in the body of Christ is because we don't understand exactly who. That's why I started from Genesis. What the plan is originally in God's mind. If we have an idea what that plan is. You realize that we're way from from it. Do you, do you see what the scripture puts here? It says God put you in charge of the earth. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, it's like Adam getting up in the morning. Oh, God bless me. Oh, God, this is my year of restoration. You know, God will just slap him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God will just slap him. Are you, are you, there's nothing wrong with you. You are created in my image. You are in my likeness. You are my representation. You have that authority. Hallelujah. Come on, are you still here? Go to Psalm 115. Let me see how far we can go here. Oof, man. Psalm 115, verse 16. Oh, man. Glory to God. Glory to God. Psalm 115 and verse 16. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord. But the earth he has given to the sons of men. You see, God can only trust the earth with people who are his representation. Hallelujah. Come on, are you following this now? That is why you realize this. Let me explain something to you. That's why you realize. And people say this. And it's very, it's a very... Is a very short-sighted way of comparison. You know people say this, right? In Nigeria, you pray a lot. In Nigeria, you pray a lot. But look at even those white countries that don't believe in God. Look at how their countries have been developed. You see, one thing you must understand is this. When God gave man that mandate to dominate the earth, right? That mandate was there. If a man would train his mind, he would be able to create things and make a beautiful world. But that does not mean that man is saved. You see, what we're talking about here is salvation. I, I don't know if you, if, you, if you understand what I'm saying. So, D- Dubai, they don't even need to be Christians to be able to build a beautiful city. Because even when Cain was cursed, Cain built a city. The Bible says he left the presence of God and went eastward and went to build a city. So, Cain built a city under a curse. So, the fact that people have built good cities does not mean it's not because they are not serving God. No. No, a thousand times no. The issue of salvation is the issue of eternal separation and death. And we're going to deal with that. I might not be able to get with that, get into that this Sunday. Maybe next Sunday we're going to talk about the three classes of death. When God told Adam, if you eat of this food, you will die. Adam literally died that day. It is the reversal of that death that is salvation. Nothing else. The reversal of spiritual death that is salvation. And we need to understand this. Are you hearing this? Now? Because over time, and the Lord, 
is putting this very strongly in my heart because I realize over time we are almost, I mean, when I say we, I'm inclusive because I'm a pastor in this generation, so I'm not talking like I'm perfect and then all that people are not doing the right thing. But I realize we are almost raising Christians who absolutely do not even understand the basics of the faith. That means they don't even know what it actually means to be born again. Shocking. Are you following this now? Because when you realize the deadness of every man on the earth without a savior, you will be prompted to speak God's word to them. Glory to God. Now, go to Genesis 2.16. Let's see this now. Let's see what I can do here. Genesis 2.16. Let's see this here now. Now, when you really follow this series every Sunday, invite your friends, be part of it. Genesis 2.16. The Lord commanded the man, saying, From every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. In that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. In the day you eat from the tree, you will surely die. Genesis 3, 1 to 11. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Question the woman. Verse 4. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now the woman included touch it. God didn't say don't touch it. God didn't say that. She said that. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. So, I want you to understand now, this was direct disobedience to God's instruction. Now, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to read something to you because, and that's why sometimes you need to be careful because, you know, we've, we've, you know, some people think this is an apple tree. Some people think it's all kinds of stuff. I know there's that confusion. Did they bite an apple? What exactly it is? Paul explains it to us. What happened? He says, the serpent beguiled Eve in her mind. Tells us how that happened. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The fall of man started taking place from here. Because it is not what goes into a man that defiles a man, Jesus said. He said it is what comes out of a man. Are you following this now? But let's go on. Let's study this for carefully now. Let's study this for carefully now. It says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the question was, were they not like God already? They already like God. They already like God. So you can see this. Listen carefully to this. Listen very carefully. Please listen very carefully to this. You can see that the origin of the fall came from deception and twisting the word of God. And that is what depravity from God is. That's what sin does. A man can do all other things and be deceived and think that he's a good man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Look at this. For God knows that the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, lost of the flesh, and I was delight of the eyes, lost of the eyes, 
and the tree was desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. I thought about this when I thought about faith to overcome the world. She took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves lion coverings. So what happened? That day, their eyes were opened to another realm. Their nakedness began to show forth. I, you know, I'm not an apologetics preacher, so I may not be able to give you all the convincing answers. You know, but some people actually now thought, well, they didn't have clothes. <laughs> but if you go to the book of Revelation, it talks about the church. That say we are clothed in fine linen. We have gold. We have silver. God says you are miserable. You are naked. What is that nakedness? That nakedness is a man that thinks he's clothed apart from the glory of God. Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? This began the fall of man. Let me, let me summarize here because of our time. This began the fall of man. So let me end up in the fall of man. Uh, upper Sunday, I'll pick it from the death. Uh, we talk about the three levels of death. There are three levels of death. Let me just put that here. There are three levels of death. There's physical death, but Adam did not die until about 800 years later. There was spiritual death. He died that spiritual death that same day. And then there's eternal death, which is separation from God. And what salvation does is to reverse these classes of death. But unfortunately, we build a lot of our theology on reversing the first death, which is physical death, as opposed to reversing the two other deaths, which are more important. So to us, once a person is living long and he has money, he is fine. But no, a man can live long, up to 800 years, but in the eyes of God, the man is dead. And I'll show you this from scripture. How Paul refers to us as people who were dead in sin and trespasses. We were dead. He says you were without God in this world. So listen to this. And you need to everybody pay close attention to this. We need to understand that some of our closest friends are dead men. And what you actually have is fellowship of light and darkness. You understand what I'm saying here? Like I said, there are not many amen in these messages. But you've got to understand this. That your task is to make sure that those men come alive. That when you see men, you should see them from two classifications. Is this man dead or alive? It's not whether he has money or not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not whether the man has hammered or his nail. Is it that, is this man dead? And if the man does not have the life of Christ, it does not matter what that man owns on this earth. That man is dead. And he needs God. And that's why Jesus came. Are you following this now? Let's look at this now. Let's just read this. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Let me stop there because our time is, is really gone. 
Realize something. Realize something. I follow this now. This was a man that was created to represent God. This was a man that was created to be the image of God. This was a man that ought to rule God's creation. He heard God's voice and started hiding. Come on. What does sin does to us all the time? You find out that when a believer is properly taught, once he sins, that fellowship. That's why the enemy will keep you on that sin lane. So that that fellowship is usually not restored. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can see where Satan's aim is. Satan's aim, ultimately, for God's man, was to take the place of that fellowship and oneness so that he's not bold enough to approach God. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? They began to hide from the presence of God. They, were, they began to be separated from God. And this is what Jesus came to reverse. This is God's heart for humanity. This is the curse for which Jesus came. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We pray, Father God, that the light of your word comes strong in our heart. Oh God, oh God, that you would renew our minds regarding the subject of salvation. That Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let great grace be administered to us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? Alright, so be early to church on Sunday and make sure you come with your friends. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.